Hello, TV junkies. Adam Campbell is an actor whose credits include Date Movie, Epic Movie, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and the canceled too soon NBC sitcom Great News. The latter is bringing him to Austin for the ATX Television Festival for a script reading with his fellow cast and a retrospective conversation about the show to follow. To find out more info about that and to purchase festival tickets, go to atxfestival.com. Adam, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Trey. Good morning to you. Is it morning? It's probably not, is it? You're in a different time zone. Still technically morning. It is 1135 here in Austin. So uh, if you ask most people in this city, if it were a Friday, it would just be another day off. But uh, this does still qualify as morning. Yeah, good. Well, you're looking sort of bright and caffeinated. So it's certainly, um, it's certainly working for you. The caffeine is important, and uh, I'm glad I got that validation there. So for you as somebody who has uh, obviously lived all over the place, uh, I don't want to make any assumptions, but you're saying it's morning. I'm assuming you're out on the West Coast now. Have you ever spent any time in Austin before? And if so, is there anything that stood out to you about the place? I've never been to Austin, but the amount of people who are leaving where I live to move to Austin, it makes me think there must be something going on out there. What is the reputation for this place in your mind as you head here for the first time this weekend? You know, I, well, by the way, I am really looking forward to go because of that. I've heard so many good things about it. Um, I've never been to Texas and I've certainly never been to Austin, um, but I am excited. I think we're staying downtown and I've heard that's a pretty exciting part of the city. Um, and yeah, I, it seems to be a, um, and I, I think this is right. The Austin is sort of stands alone in Texas has been quite unique. Is that right? Uh, it does. Yeah, it's uh, it's an enigma wrapped in a question mark of this massive state, which uh, is mostly conservative. Obvi Austin's a little bit more progressive thinking, but there's also a balance here as well. I think there are a lot of independent minded people who uh, can't necessarily be put into a, a political box one way or the other. Interesting. Do you think how would you compare that to what you understand of L.A. to be then quite different? Wow, LA. Uh, LA is uh, definitely more on the like straight up liberal side as far as as far as I understand. Now, I've spent limited time in Los Angeles and when I've been there, it's usually been on the fringes. So at the beach or, or somewhere around that's not exactly Los Angeles proper. But my understanding is that uh, Los Angeles is a, uh, a very left-leaning town. Uh, obviously, it is a, a town that has uh, an interesting uh, film culture, but also a counterculture that exists as well. And it's a, a very diverse place. What, what is your, uh, if you were to tell somebody back home about Los Angeles, how would you describe that city to people? Well, I moved, I moved to Los Angeles from England um, in about 2004, 2005. And even in that time, I've, it has mutated and changed quite a bit. But yeah, I'd agree with you. I think it is very left-leaning and it always has been. Um, but also it is a place where, um, as you said, there's a counterculture. I think people come here, I, I've noticed, and certainly my friendship groups, they've sort of come here and you can kind of redefine yourself quite easily. And maybe this is a, a, in praise of America as a whole, but there's a general sense that if you want to do something, people are generally in support of you. And, and you're not seen as being sort of... Um, above your station or trying to be something that you're not. I think there's a real encouragement in this city. For instance, in the entertainment industry, I think there's a, you're generally welcomed if you're, if you're an actor and you want to try and write or direct or produce. And, and not, not all the time, but in England, I'd say the difference would be that there isn't quite that much, um, as much encouragement to break out of your mold, let's just say. So I, I appreciate LA for kind of that um, that spirit of 
encouragement, I think, because I generally feel people are very supportive of each other. Um, but yeah, politically, you're absolutely right. It's very left. And that's the only, I, I lament that a little bit because I, I kind of feel like, well, there's, the, the country itself is, seems pretty split down the middle. And, and we don't, in LA, I feel like I'm not hearing many conservative voices and inevitably it makes you feel, am I, am I always getting the full picture? You know what? That's a great point. And uh, that's one of the important things in this day and age where we all seem to be pitted against one another, whether it's on social media or watching the nightly news or so many other avenues where it's like you need to feel this way about this thing uh, going across the board with the issues. Otherwise, you don't get to be a part of the team. And when the reality is, is there's a lot, a lot of nuance to the most serious things with which we all deal with as human beings. And unfortunately, a lot of people are sheltered from that other side, which isn't necessarily going to change their mind, Adam, but at least yeah. it may allow you to walk away from that conversation with a better understanding of why somebody feels the way that they do about something. And I think you're right. And I, I do think um, the, the this kind of uh, the increased binary nature of the, the country has has a, a, arisen at the same time as podcasts have. And I've, I've noticed definitely that I, I'm yearning, as, and I think most people are yearning for a, a bigger conversation about big issues. And podcasts are obviously doing that now. So we'll get three hours discussing, for instance, the debate around what's going on with abortion in this country. And rather than it just being sound bites, which we're all used to getting, now we're able to sit and listen to well-reasoned arguments from both sides. Um, and so I kind of I love that about podcasts. But I I don't I I feel in terms of just getting one's news, you kind of have to you have to be diligent now, don't you, to to make sure that you're not just getting one side. And I I don't think we've quite mastered it yet, but we will in how to actually get fair and balanced news to to coin the phrase of one particular news agency um, that um, is actually truly just that. And, and I think I find myself trying to get conservative and liberal news at the same time in order to try and find the balance. But I don't think there's one particular news source we can go to right now that provides that. Is that, do, do you agree with that? I, I do. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I don't care if you're talking about Fox or CNN or MSNBC. Uh, I think that at their root, a lot of them are corporate press more than anything else. So a lot of people like to use the term mainstream media, but that mm -hmm. doesn't accurately define it necessarily because of what you just talked about with podcasts and so many uh, popular shows that also do have video feeds a lot of the time, uh, receiving far more in the way of an audience, listenership, viewership than your average nightly newscast now or the most watched show on Fox or CNN or name that corporate press channel. So it is encouraging that people are able to turn to, uh, to, to different things, not to different medias to try and get the fuller picture of things. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I don't, I don't know where it ends up. I think, I think it's, um, there are times when, when, I, when I'm quite scared of what's happening in this country, that, that division. And I feel like, well, it's, it's, it's heading in a way I don't like, but then I, I also feel, as we're talking right now, I just feel most people feel what we feel. So even though it looks like we're polarized as a nation, I do feel most of us are kind of, we just want the common sense somewhere in the middle solution to a lot of these things. And of course there are extremes, but I do think they are extremes um, in the minority. And I think generally we all just wanna have a conversation and find the smartest solution. Um, 
And and but but again, yeah, I, I there there are moments where where I see the division, and I think this is heading in a, in a pretty worrying direction. I completely agree with you on that, and I think that the number of people in the gray area in that center area far outnumbers those on either the left or the right, and so it's up to people who are capable of having the conversations to tr start to point these things out to really wake more folks up. And uh, I, I think that is a reason for optimism is that in the end, most people out there, they don't want to mess with anybody else's mojo. They don't want to, they don't want to negatively affect another person. They just want to be able to live their happiest lives and hope to be able to help you and say uh, some way, shape or form do the same as well. Yeah, that's right. When, um, I, I, I'm British, obviously, as you can tell, but when I became an American citizen, it's a great thing. You, you have to have a test on American history. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew that, but you kind of have to have to go through this process. And, and I didn't know I was I wasn't expecting to do that. And in England, you don't really learn about American history much because it's probably a bit of an embarrassment um, that we lost that we lost you guys um, or that we let you have yourselves. I suppose that's a better phrase. We, we gave you back your country, but we may take it back again. Um, but I, I love the fact that you, you're encouraged to read about American history. And it's the first time I, I really uh, um, studied it. And I've got to say, the country is it's, it's pretty incredible, you know, in terms of what it's founded on. It got me very excited, actually. It made me feel a lot more grateful to become an American um, had I, um, th th than if I hadn't read up on it. And I feel... Um, I feel that's almost something everybody should do, do is to... Is to reread what this country is based on and i know it's got some some um pretty unpleasant um chapters in its history and there's still some unpleasant stuff in this country right now but there is i've noticed with foreigners who come here they they really appreciate this country for what it is particularly if you particularly if they've come from a you know a, a country that's war-torn or um, not democratic and um i i would like to hear more voices um, in this country who, who kind of have come from somewhere else and, and can see America with fresh eyes and maybe remind the rest of us how good we've got it in some, in some ways. That's a phenomenal point. So there was a palpable difference for you with the freedoms that existed in America versus the freedoms that you were used to in England when you moved here back in 2005? Well, I used to roll my eyes when Americans said America's the freest country and all this stuff. I was like, come on, is it really, is it really freer than, you know? And then I realized, and then I realized well, it technically is freer than Great Britain because we have a monarchy, even though you know it's kind of neutered. Um, but there are various there are various things about this country that um, I do think set it apart. The fact that it's you know America, British history has kind of been developed over thousands and thousands of years and has got so much other so many other influences. America is kind of we know when it began, we know what it was founded upon. And, um, and yeah, I think that I'm, I'm having a bit more respect for what, what it means to be in a free country. Um, for, for better or for worse, I must say, there are certainly things about freedoms in this country which might alarm a European. Um, but um, generally, yeah, I think it is a pretty amazing country. Mm. And, and obviously, I add, the, I add the caveat, as we all need to right, right now, with the, the, it's a country with many um, problems. Yeah, it most certainly is. And uh, one of the ways that we can help work our, our ourselves through problems is not only by talking about things, but also being able to laugh about uh, those things that are appropriate to laugh about. And that was one of the things that I loved uh, about 
the show that you're going to be in town for this weekend. Great news. Um, the show obviously ended way too soon. I mean, it, uh, I think it barely gets through that second season. There were plans at one point for a third season, if I'm not mistaken, based on what I read online last night. But uh, still, one of those shows that was well written. It was very well acted as well. And uh, it had a lot of heart to it. What did you love about Great News, Adam? Trey, well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, it, it, like, it was really heartbreaking that it ended. And I think every actor feels that heartbreak when a, when a show that they're working on ends. But I felt it particularly with this one because it was, it was exactly the sort of comedy that I enjoyed and would watch. And so um, it was a real bummer when it ended. Um, I, think, I think it's quite, a, the, the comedy kind of stems from, um, well, the writers are all kind of 30 rock writers. So they come from that, that stable and Kimmy Schmidt as well, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. A lot of those writers were the same ones on Great News. Um, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock produced it as, um, as they produced um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And then um, Tracy Wigfield, uh, who wrote it, was also a 30 Rock writer. And she was the showrunner as well. Um, and I think it was that combination of writers that made it so unique. Quite um, clever comedy, um, quite silly, uh, quite rude. Um, it took swipes at, uh, I mean, occasionally it would kind of veer into the political as well. It kind of took swipes at um, various standing politicians. Um, but I, I absolutely loved it. And it, I'm, I'm devastated it ended and it still hurts. And, um, and, and it's, yeah, I think that's just life that these shows, they, we, had a, we had an audience, it just wasn't an enormous audience, but it was a devoted audience at least. And that's why it's exciting that we're gonna reunite um, in the beautiful state of Texas to do a, a table read at the ATX Festival this next week. Do you know which episode you guys are gonna be doing the table read for? I'm not sure exactly which episode. I know it's from season two. Okay. Um, and I know the cast members who are there. So it's um, Briga Helen will be there. Um, John Michael Higgins will be there. I believe, I'm not, actually I'm not sure who else, but I imagine it will be a, a, um, a John Michael Higgins heavy uh, episode because he's so, he's so brilliant. And uh, Briga was your love interest, uh, obviously, for those who watch the show. Do you keep in close contact with uh, either of those people yeah, we do. or anybody we else from the film or from the show? Yeah, we stay in, we stay in really good contact. It was um, quite a close-knit cast. Um, Briga um, had a child around the same time that I did, hmm. so our kids were a similar age. Unfortunately, COVID has kind of prevented us from hanging out much. But, um, yeah, we do stay in touch. And... Um, John Michael Higgins is just a dear friend. And I mean, that's weird. Getting to work with somebody who I, I was quite starstruck with him. And for, for listeners who don't know um, his name, you'll certainly know his face. Um, he, he was the first thing I saw him in was, um, you know, one of the Christopher Guest movies, which and, and he's just a, an amazing comedian and actor. And um, oh, and also, um, Trey, I know you had Jim Piddock on the show a, yeah. a few weeks ago. Uh, who I've, I've, I've met and worked with a couple of times, but equally, I mean, meeting people from, from, from Christopher Guest movies has probably been the highlight of my experience in LA. Pittock was awesome. And I think, I feel like the first thing that I saw Michael in was maybe Best in Show. Yeah. Which yeah. is obviously yeah. a, a movie that Pittock was in where uh, he did such good work with uh, Fred Willard as the, uh, the commentators for the dog show. That's right. And I, yeah, hearing you talking to Jim about that, it made me want to rewatch uh, Best in Show again. Because that is quite a quite a phenomenal film. 
So uh, Michael is one of the reasons why I first started watching great news. But uh, if I'm being completely honest, you are another because uh, I've enjoyed you uh, in your comedic work, even though you are an actor who has done all sorts of genres. I think you've nailed the comedic thing going back to date movie and epic movie and uh, plenty of uh, plenty of parts and TV shows and movies since then that just continue to prove that you're a funny guy. Uh, what influenced you comedically uh coming up and when did you realize that you were somebody who was funny enough to make other people laugh that's right that's it i'm just gonna i'm gonna uh, write all that down and hammer it into uh into my bedroom wall so i can read it at night time to encourage myself that's lovely um no i uh, yeah i've always liked watching comedy um the first the first person i really got into was rowan atkinson and uh, he had a, a few series called um black adder and it was kind of mid eighties. My dad would put those on and I just watched them incessantly. We eventually got them recorded on VHS. And so I would just watch them over and over again. So Rowan Atkinson was a big influence um, on me. And then it kind of moved to, uh, this is all growing up in England, obviously. Um, Steve Coogan has a character called Alan Partridge. And I don't know if it's made it out here um, or, or maybe it has in, in kind of niche circles. But I, th I think it's one of the longest running British characters because he's still releasing stuff. He's actually doing a tour in the UK right now as Alan Partridge. Hmm. Um, and that, I think, is one of the funniest, uh, the funniest characters ever made. And that came from a show. Originally, that character was built on a, on a, um, a, a satirical news show called, um, uh, what was it called? The Day Today, which was, it was like, it, it was like, a better version of the onion news it was just it was so subversive so cutting and that guy was um someone called chris morris um and armando ianucci produced all those shows um armando did um uh uh veep and um other shows on hbo like that what am i saying anyway yeah lots of lots of comedic influences i'd say that i grew up just being obsessed with and uh, then of course the office came out and ricky gervais just sort of uh wowed us all with that character and then i think steve carell doing the same on on the american version is probably one of the best characters ever ever written i think yeah both guys hilariously written gervais has obviously continued it over the years he is uh currently in uh, a bit of hot water i guess based on a joke from his most recent comedy special on netflix but he continues to do both funny things and also more serious things as well i'm in the middle of season three, I think it is, of his show Afterlife on Netflix. And he does a great job as a serious actor, too. Um, Trey, I'm, I'm probably halfway through um, Ricky Gervais's stand-up special, on which has just come out. Have, have, have you seen it? I have not, but now that he's facing this heat, I'm definitely going to because he has one of the all-time great opening monologues in award show history when he roasted. I mean, he just took a flamethrower to the crowd at the Glo Golden Globes a couple years ago. But what do you think halfway through? Um, well, it's definitely, it's definitely highly offensive. Um, but as he says throughout it, he, he's self-referential the whole time. So he's saying, I'm, I'm going to be offensive. This is offensive. That was offensive. Um, and I, so I think he's sort of playing around with where the line is. Um, he, he, he's just a, a naturally funny person. There is something, he just has it, doesn't he? And, and I think, um, you know, the last couple of years, I think kind of comedy to offend has, has been on the rise, or at least, at least certainly since uh, what Dave Chappelle's stuff this year and last year. I think that's kind of people have, have had a, 
a, a fascination with that sort of comedy. And it's certainly not losing an audience. I think the audience is growing for it, which I find quite interesting. You know, one of the important things to think about with offensive comedy is that's kind of the point. And there isn't a, a difference a lot of times between offensive and hateful or trying to go after somebody or trying to hurt somebody offensive when it's done well by comedians is being done to prove a larger point right. a lot of comedians to say offensive stuff of course they don't truly believe that or of course whatever version of the story that they punched up for the bit did not happen exactly that way but like with the Dave Chappelle or uh, with somebody along those lines, I think Bill Burr is another great example of this. You're going to hear some wildly offensive stuff coming out of their mouths, mm -hmm. but hopefully it's causing you to think a little bit deeper about things at the same time too. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think often with stuff like that, the joke will be made and the intention is to mock the sort of person who would make that joke in earnest. Yep. And I think that is certainly what um, Ricky Gervais has done in, in the past. I think he's mocked people who have been homophobic um, by, you know, delivering a line as a homophobe might. And so I think, um, yeah, I think that is just a, a, a kind of um, a, a, a skill that he has. But yeah, I, I, I think um, offensiveness is, is something that, that is, people are drawn to funnily enough and i think i think for the reasons you stated um great news wasn't particularly offensive i would say but it definitely um it it i would say it's um it no no that's not true i mean it did it was kind of it was it was it was mocking but it tended to mock us as individuals so i was often mocked um personally which i found very offensive for being um childlike and small and being like wearing uh, the clothes of a puppet rather than <laughs> an adult. So we all suffer, Trey. We all suffer. You know, the, the sooner that we can learn to laugh at our differences, the sooner we're all going to be able to truly come together, Adam. I'm just going to start mocking you relentlessly now. Well, there are plenty of reasons you can do so. Uh, as you and I talked about before we started recording, uh, we uh, have a common bond, and that is uh, five-year-old sons, which may or may not mock us at times. Uh, on a more serious side, though, has your son taught you anything about yourself? Because I am fascinated on a regular basis to watch my something happen with my son. And I'm like, holy cow, he picked this up for me, or holy cow, this is a quality that I share with him, and I never realized it before watching him have to deal with it as a human, too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I've learned anything about myself. I, I was talking to my wife yesterday about him because it's like you know what he was born and he just he has not changed since he was born. He was born with this personality. Mm -hmm. I said to Dana yesterday, I said he he just runs the show, doesn't he? He's always he always just runs the show. And I, I'm my worry is perhaps this is just terrible parenting on our part that we really need to be a bit more disciplined. But there's almost like a bit of when he comes home from school, there's almost a bit of nervousness, like, oh gosh, what's he gonna do? And what's he gonna say? And um, I mean, I, I love him to bits. Um, so I'm gonna keep him, but I'm, I am a little bit scared of him. And as he gets bigger, and he will be physically bigger than me because it's inevitable, I'm very short, but he, I, I'm scared also for my, um, yeah, for my own body. But I was saying to you, I was saying to you earlier that he's now, he's now, uh, He's now just quite rude to me. Like he'll just comment. He'll grab 
you know, a little bit of fat on my body and, and say blubber. And it's, and it's hurtful. It's hurtful because he's supposed to love me and I love him, but he says it and then sort of wanders off, but still I'll make him dinner. You know, there's no, it, 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 it's only gonna get worse. It sounds like you have a real life boss baby in your house. I know, again, I think maybe I'm just a bad parent. I think I need to be more disciplined. Um, I, yeah, I think that is, that is part of the problem. But yeah, he's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I, yeah, I would say that I'm not the best parent in the world. But um, look, he's still alive. So I've, I've got him that far. Well, that's what nobody tells you whenever you, uh, you start that process up is that there's, I mean, there are books that have been written on how to be good parents, but everybody's winging it. Everybody's learning trial by fire. There is unfortunately negligence that happens at times, but ultimately if you are not overtly trying to hurt your kid and you guys do live to see another day, then uh, you're, you're hopefully doing something right to help turn them into a positive member of society when it's all said and done. I, I hope so. Those, those parenting books we all bought, but parents are too tired to read the books. So they just gather dust on a shelf. Or we, we, just, we bought all those books and just we read them all before he was born. And then none of it mattered once he was born. And now we just, I just feel like we're winging it. We had some friends over at the weekend who have two kind of older boys, seven and eight. And they were just so charming and polite. And one of them kept interrupting my conversation to ask where he could put the trash. And I said to the dad, I was just like, how do you do it? How do you raise a child so polite and so others, other focused and, and, and so charming? And he sort of shrugged his shoulders and he just said, they're kind of naturally like that, which I think is a cop out. He's probably, he, he's probably um, quite disciplined. But um, yeah, my son is not quite there yet. Oh, yeah. He, he has done something in the constant negotiation process that is parenting to teach that kid at least in, in front of other people to learn how to throw his own trash away uh, yeah it's quite impressive though as a when he's visiting the house i was like that is that is quite a quite a uh, a well-raised child no doubt about that all right last question adam you were uh, born and raised in bath somerset england is that correct that is correct all right so i have to ask you this question because i'm a big foodie i'm always interested in other people's food opinions so if you had the preference, would you go with a Sally Lund buns, bath buns, or bath chaps? Okay, well, I, well, I'll stop you there. I've never heard of bath chaps. Is that, that sounds like it? that sounds like the best of the three. It's smoked pork cheek and jawbone of a pig. Okay, this sounds like a, a new thing that wasn't present when I grew up. But Sally Lund's buns, Sally Lund's um, uh, little tea shop, I think, is the oldest. The oldest uh, tea shop in Bath, and I think I think there was a there was a shop there from the early 16th century, maybe, um, and it's sort of a sticky currant bun, drizzled in a sugary kind of um, uh, moisture. It doesn't sound very appealing, does it? But it is actually quite tasty, and also it's quite cold. So you you you, you just want to eat anything when when you're cold and in Bath. So a cup of tea and a Sally Lund bun is is uh, pretty good. I don't recommend making the trip especially for it though, Trey. No, no. Tell you what, next I'm going back there this this summer, so I'll, I'll 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 send you one. I'm sure they travel very well. What's the best reason to go to Bath then? Well, I'm being slightly impartial, but it is it's the most beautiful city in Europe. It was 
it, the whole thing is built in, in the Georgian architecture style. It's all built from the same stone. Um, it is, I think it's on, it's on, it's one of the UNESCO World Heritage Sites. It's truly one of the most gorgeous, beautiful cities. But of course I grew up there, so I did not appreciate it at the time. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you visit England, um, obviously visit London, but the next thing on your list should be Bath and you can do Stonehenge on the way as well. That's good to know. I'm going to write it down. He is Adam Campbell, an actor who has been a in a bunch of stuff over the years, date movie, epic movie, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and the canceled too soon NBC sitcom, great news, which is why he's going to be in town for the Austin television festival, ATX television festival. You can actually find out more info on the script reading for great news, as well as everything else going on at the festival at atxfest.com. Adam, thank you so much for the time today, man. Really enjoyed this conversation and uh, safe travels to and from Austin. Thanks, Trey. Pleasure to meet you too. Thanks again. Thank you to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at gentlemanjesus.com. And thank you to Joshua Bates for the video editing. If you have any video editing needs, hit him up on Instagram at Forager Digital. And thanks as always to you for checking us out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at booksonpod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.